Good day, it's June 16th, and welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide, in which we encourage each other to read through the entire Bible in a year. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide. Each day we read four passages from the One Year Bible format, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, and portions from Psalms and Proverbs. We also give a summary commentary on each portion to point out details that you won't want to miss. We also give attention to how each passage applies to the overall message of the Bible, how it relates to the promise of redemption that comes to fruition in the saving work of Christ. Jesus pointed out to his disciples on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection, from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So we trust that this daily intake of God's Word will freshen your perspective on life and make you more fully aware of the wisdom of God's plan of salvation. I truly believe that this will be a half hour well spent and that if you continue day by day reading through the Scriptures, you'll enjoy the transformative benefit of renewal in the spirit of your mind. We are currently in the middle of the sad story of human failure in the book of 1 Kings. What we observe of failed leadership and spiritual declension in the northern and southern kingdoms mirror what we so often observe in human history. All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious ideal for living. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. However, where the rest of mankind fails, as exhibited in the historical books of the kings, we will see that the true king of Israel, the king of kings, succeeds. Today we will look at six apostate kings of Israel. Let's begin reading in 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning with verse 25. And I am reading from the English Standard Version. Nadab reigns in Israel. Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. Basha, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Basha struck him down at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. For Nadab and all Israel were laying siege to Gibbethon. So Basha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And as soon as he was king, he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He left to the house of Jeroboam not one that breathed, until he had destroyed it, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. It was for the sins of Jeroboam that he sinned, and that he made Israel to sin, and because of the anger to which he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Baasha, the son of Ahijah, began to reign over all Israel at Tirzah, and he reigned twenty-four years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. Chapter 16 And the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, 
since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins, behold, I will utterly sweep away Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone belonging to Baasha who dies in the city, the dog shall eat, and any one of his who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles and of the kings of Israel? And Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried at Terzah, and Elah, his son, reigned in his place. Moreover, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha and his house, both because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa king of Judah, Elah, the son of Baasha, began to reign over Israel and Terzah, and he reigned two years. But his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him. When he was at Terzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household in Terzah, Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him in the twenty-seventh year of Asa king of Judah, and reigned in his place. When he began to reign, as soon as he had seated himself on his throne, he struck down all the house of Baasha. He did not leave him a single male of his relatives or his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the house of Baasha according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son, which they sinned and which they made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? In the twenty-seventh year of Asa king of Judah, Zimri reigned seven days in Terzah. Now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, and the troops who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So Omri went up from Gibbethon and all Israel with him, and they besieged Terzah. And when Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died because of his sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam, and for his sin which he committed, making Israel to sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri, and the conspiracy that he made, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginath, to make him king, and half followed Omri, but the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the thirty-first year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel, and he reigned for twelve years. Six years he reigned in Terzah. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver, and he fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria, after the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did more evil than all who were before him. 
for he walked in all the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Omri that he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab his son reigned in his place. In the thirty-eighth year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty-two years, and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua the son of Nun. Chapter 17. Elijah Predicts a Drought Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me 
to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This concludes our reading of today's portion from the Old Testament in the book of First Kings. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. We've covered a lot of history today. We focused on the six apostate kings of Israel that followed Jeroboam and his sins. There's Nadab, Jeroboam's son, who reigns for two years, continuing the sins of his father. Then there is Baasha, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, who kills Nadab and all the house of Jeroboam, and reigns for twenty-four years. Baasha is followed by Ella, the son of Baasha, who reigns for two years. Then Ella is followed by Zimri, commander of Ella's chariots, who murders Ella and becomes king of Israel for seven days before burning the palace and killing himself. Zimri is succeeded by Omri, who is elected king by Israel's army, but half of the people follow Tibni, another claimant to the throne, the son of Ginnath. Four years later, Omri becomes king and constructs the northern capital city of Samaria. He is succeeded by his son, Ahab. In the southern kingdom of Judah, Asa succeeds Abijah, the son of Rehoboam, as king. He is an admirable leader in many ways. He pursues reforms, attempting to return his people to fidelity to the Lord. He dares to confront the false belief systems that exist even within his own family. He removed his mother from her office as queen mother because of her involvement in worshipping the female fertility goddess Asherah. In many ways, Asa serves as one exclusively devoted to the Lord in the pattern of his great-great-grandfather David. Asa was rebuked by the Lord in a number of situations. In some instances, Asa relied more upon natural resources than God, looking first to leaders such as the king of Aram, Syria, in Second Chronicles 16, verse 7, and physicians in Second Chronicles 16, verse 12, rather than the Lord, in 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 17 through 20. It is also noted that he did not remove the high places, in Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 17. In contrast to the ongoing spiritual reformation in Judah, wickedness and idolatry were growing worse in the northern kingdom of Israel. In the north, Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, is murdered by Baasha, the son of Ahijah, from the tribe of Issachar. There are nine Ahijahs referred to in the Bible. This is not the Shilonite prophet who addressed Jeroboam. Baasha exterminates the household of Jeroboam in fulfillment of the prophecy given by Ahijah from Shiloh. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 4 through 14. Baasha was at war with Asa continually. The prophet Jehu predicts Baasha's downfall and that of his household. 
Anyone of Basha who dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and anyone of his who dies in the fields, the birds of the heavens will eat. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 4. The fulfillment of this prophecy will be delayed one generation. Ella, Basha's son, succeeds his father and reigns for only two years. His servant, Zimri, conspires against him and kills him while he is drinking himself into a state of intoxication. Zimri kills all the house of Basha, fulfilling the word of the prophet Jehu. Zimri has the shortest reign of the kings of Israel. Zimri reigns as king of Israel for only seven days before Omri, the commander of the army, is able to defeat him at Tirzah and become king at the will of the people. Zimri, seeing his imminent defeat, flees to the citadel of the king's house in the northern kingdom base of Tirzah. There he commits suicide by burning the palace down while remaining inside. After Omri seizes Tirzah, half of the northern kingdom follows Tibni instead. For a short period, there are two kings reigning at once in the northern kingdom, Omri and Tibni, until the followers of Omri prevail, securing his rule over all Israel. Omri purchases the hill of Samaria and builds a city that is to become the new capital of the northern kingdom. Omri reigns for a total of twelve years, half of them at the former capital of Tirzah and half at Samaria. The city of Samaria was occupied from the time of Omri until it was destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 BC. The house of Omri reigned for over 100 years. The northern kingdom became so identified with Omri during this period that according to Assyrian records, it became known as the land of Omri. The seventh king of Israel is Ahab, the son of Omri. He begins to reign in the 38th year of King Asa of Judah. Ahab does more evil than his predecessors. He takes Jezebel for his wife. She is a princess of the Sidonians, daughter of King Ethbaal, and an idol worshiper. Ahab follows her god Baal and builds altars to serve him. He also builds Asherah poles and encourages evil. The great lesson in these chapters is to recognize the power of influence held by fathers. Children look to their fathers for guidance. They adopt their views and patterns of behavior. Unless the mind is renewed and the spirit released by the word of God, families can continue the sins of their ancestors and pay the consequences for many future generations. Joshua had pronounced a curse on those who would rebuild the city of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. It was the first city taken in the conquest of Canaan, and it was to be entirely dedicated to the Lord. No spoil was to be taken from it. Everything in it was put under the ban of his judgment except for Rahab and her family. During his days, Hiel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He paid a heavy price. He laid the foundation at the cost of his firstborn, Abiram, and set up the gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub. We don't know how they died, but we know that the curse was fulfilled. We don't know clearly if they died as child sacrifices or by some other means of the judgment of God. The practice of child sacrifice was common in the worship of Chemosh of Moab and Moloch of Amnon. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7. Child sacrifice possibly could have been introduced when Solomon built altars to these false deities. Jericho, the first city taken in the promised land, was to remain in ruins as a testimony to the once and for all victory that God provided as His people walked in faith. It was the first fruit of victory, representing the conquest of Canaan to come. 
Sadly, the promise of victory had been ignored as the nation of Israel invites defeat through spiritual compromise and builds on the ground that had been cursed. Next, we read the story of Elijah. It is in this dark period of the history of Israel that the mighty prophet Elijah appears. It would seem that at this time every spiritual voice had been silenced and every light had been extinguished. Fifty-eight years had transpired since the death of Solomon and the kingdom divided into two. All the kings of Israel had put the Lord behind their backs. We don't know that much about Elijah's early days. In a later chapter, there is one sentence that gives us a clear idea of his spiritual character. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. In his zeal, he feels very alone, but he was motivated to see God glorified among his covenant people. The honor of his name meant more to Elijah than anything else. A.W. Pink describes the times in which Elijah ministered. Quote, Idolatry had become the state religion. The worship of Baal was the order of the day. Wickedness was rampant on every side. The enemy had indeed come in like a flood, and it looked as though there was no barrier left which could stem its devastating effects. Then it was that the Spirit of the Lord lifted up a standard against him, displeased with the sins of the people, and would now visit their iniquities upon them. That heavenly standard was raised aloft by the hand of Elijah. End quote. Elijah proclaimed the name of the Lord while the apostate nation of Israel had adopted Baal as their God. Rather than giving in to hopelessness, Elijah dared to pray. In the New Testament, James writes, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Elijah knew that he was weak, but God is almighty. Moses and Elijah are in conversation with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Both are discussing the departure that Jesus should accomplish in Jerusalem. Jesus was a fulfillment of the promise of a prophet like unto Moses, who brings his people out of bondage as slaves to sin and death, and into the full liberty of sons of God. Elijah is known for his departure in a chariot of fire. Elijah does seven miracles. After he ascends, his mantle falls on Elisha, a type of the church. Elisha does fourteen miracles, twice the number of Elijah's miracles. The church multiplies Jesus' ministry of calling people to repentance and faith as we function as members of his body. Jesus told his disciples, Greater works shall you do. The greater works refer to the greater, more enduring work of proclaiming the finished work of redemption and seeing people delivered from spiritual death, coming alive to God and baptized by the Spirit into the body and the eternal life of Christ. We know little about Elijah's early days or his family of origin. A.W. Pink comments, quote, We believe there is a typical reason why the Spirit made no reference to Elijah's origin. Like Melchizedek, the beginning and close of his history is shrouded in sacred mystery. As the absence of any mention of Melchizedek's birth and death was divinely designed to foreshadow the eternal priesthood and kingship of Christ, so the fact that we know nothing of Elijah's father and mother and the further fact that he was supernaturally translated from this world without passing through the portals of death, 
mark him as the typical forerunner of the everlasting prophet. Thus the omission of such details adumbrated the endlessness of Christ's prophetic office. Unlike the kings of Israel, Elijah did what he was told by God. The Lord told him to hide himself by the brook Cherith. Elijah did so. The Lord told him that he would be fed there. Ravens gave him meat and bread two times a day. Elijah was fed twice a day, whereas the children of Israel were only fed once a day in the wilderness. The word of the Lord came to Elijah in this time of famine, instructing him to go to a country outside of Israel, to Zarephath in Sidon, the heartland of Baal worship. There he would meet a starving widow who was willing to trust God. Elijah calls her to great steps of faith, to feed him and herself before she fed her starving son. She was called to offer up her little supply to a stranger. The Lord supernaturally provided that the flour and the jug of oil would not run out. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. 1 Kings 17, verse 14. The prophecy is fulfilled according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 16. Like Jesus, Elijah multiplies the food supply. Also, like Jesus, he raises the dead. We see that he stretches out over the boy three times. It is a picture of the boy being identified with Christ in his death and resurrection. Obedience to the direction of the Holy Spirit is part of his prayer. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 22. This miracle produces faith in the widow from Zarephath, assuring her not only that the Lord is God, that's the meaning of Elijah's name, but that Elijah was his man. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. 1 Kings 17, verse 24. Now let's go to the New Testament reading from the book of Acts, beginning with chapter 10, verse 24. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, 
beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This concludes today's portion from the New Testament, the book of Acts. Now let's take a few moments and note some observations. The Apostle Peter is being challenged to take the gospel to those who are outside of his particular Jewish culture. The vision he receives earlier in this chapter prepares him for this fresh act of obedience of going to the home of a Gentile, Cornelius, one who would have been considered unclean according to the law of separation, in order to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius is a God-fearing man. Peter shares with Cornelius what God has shown him. He is now to regard no one as unholy or unclean. All, including Gentiles, are within reach of the saving power of the gospel. Do we raise an objection when we are sent to those whose lives and culture are beyond our comfort zone? First Cornelius tells his story. He has been prepared by the Spirit also and told to invite Simon to come to his house. Then Peter preaches the gospel. The gospel of Christ appeals to all whose hearts have been prepared to welcome him. It is a message of God's work of reconciliation by which he provided peace through Jesus' self-giving sacrifice. He shed his blood on the cross so, as God, he could justly pardon sinners. It is a message of Jesus' authority and office as Lord of all and the judge before whom we all will have to give an account. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Peter's message is instructive. He does not preach himself. He preaches Christ. He gives a summary of the impeccable life and ministry that qualifies Jesus to be the spotless Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Then he preaches the gospel events, the cross, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. He says, We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 41. Then he gives the gospel demand to believe in Christ thereby repenting of our own ability to put ourselves right before a holy God through any other means. He concludes with the gospel promise, the forgiveness of sins. 
and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. The gospel results in regeneration, being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll continue in the book of Acts tomorrow. Now for today's psalm, Psalm 134. Come, bless the Lord, a song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Psalm 134 is the last of 15 songs of ascents, sometimes called the songs of degrees or the songs of the steps, as these were sung by pilgrims on their way up to the temple in Jerusalem. We can imagine them arriving at their destination and singing this after ascending the three flights of steps to the temple courts. Spiritually, the psalmist is in a higher place than he was when he started the first song in the series, when he called out to the Lord from the low place of his distress in Psalm 120. In that first of the fifteen psalms, he cried out, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshesh, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar, far off territories where they hate peace. He longs for peace, the peace of Jerusalem, the city of peace. Now he's standing there, and with a heart of satisfaction, blesses the Lord and calls all servants of the Lord to do so, even those who stand there in the darkness of night. Notice the last line of Psalm 134. It is a benediction. May the Creator God who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion, that is, from the holiest of all, where the atoning blood of the Lamb is placed on the mercy seat to justify the guilty sinner and make peace. On the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ, peace with God has been made, and as a result, the Lord commands a blessing, as we read yesterday, even life forevermore. Psalm 133, verse 3. And let's close our reading session by going to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17, verses 9 through 11. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion, and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. This is another warning from Scripture of the importance of discretion in speech and the danger of gossip. Verbal correction, speaking the truth in love, is better than beating a person down verbally, psychologically, or physically. Now let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we know that all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We thank you that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that the Holy Spirit can teach us to avoid the pitfalls of the kings of Israel. Help us to be quick to say no to ungodliness, worldly desires, and the idols that our hearts so easily manufacture. Give us discernment so we do not compromise our obedience to your word. Help us to be faithful to preach the gospel, the gospel events of the cross, the gospel promises of forgiveness and eternal life, the gospel witnesses that are found in scriptures, and the demands for repentance and faith. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you came to our reading today empty, you will be leaving full. And our prayer is that you will continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's been great to be with you and we hope that you can join with us tomorrow. And if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries and how you can be a support to us, you can go to our website at newlife.org. So until later, shalom. Be blessed with a peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, a peace that passes all understanding.